Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, Duke fans, and welcome to episode number 581 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. This is a fun episode. We love these fun episodes because if you didn't watch last night's game between the Duke Blue Devils and the Pittsburgh Panthers, you missed out on a lot of fun. It was a lot. It was a fun game. We're going to do a fun recap. I am Donald Wine. I'm your host for this episode. I got Jason Evans alongside me. Jason, how are you doing this morning? Or it's actually afternoon. We, we've, we've had so much fun. I don't know what time it is. <laughs> how often, Donald, how often is a, do you come off a win where you won by 22 points and you go, man, that wasn't a 22 point game. That was, that was way more than a 22 point game. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It felt, it, it felt like it was over after the first media timeout of which some people missed because again, they did this two hour block thing where the game started on ESPNU and then, and then trickled over. And by the time you got to there, it was already uh, a fun fest, but again, Duke, Goes to Pittsburgh last night, plays the Pitt Panthers. Jeff Capel, of course, uh, the head coach there. We love Jeff. 75 to 53, the final score. As you mentioned, Jason, the score was way more lopsided than that for most of the game. Uh, it was maybe later I mean, in the game. Dude, kind this, of this, had, this had the potential to be the kind of beatdown that we saw a year ago when Duke played Pittsburgh in the ACC tournament, which was one of the biggest beatdowns in ACC tournament history. Duke won that one. 96 to 69 this felt like this could have been like that yeah and, and you know it's funny we were talking in the preview about how worried we should be about Pitt, and if we said if we didn't come out how, to a bad start we were if we, so if we wrong. Came out, 
Well, I, I was, I, my, my best friend was like, Hey, I'm not gonna be able to listen in time for the game. Give me the, you know, too long. Don't read version of the preview. And I said, you know, these guys can shoot their physical, uh, Blake Henson's the truth. And if we get off to a fast start, then we can win this ball game. And he goes, okay, all the things we've been doing all year, right. In, in jest, we have done none of those things all year. Right. Exactly. But we did last night. Jason, before we get to the headlines, I want to mention a couple of things. First of all, with regards to this game in in, in the metrics, we beat Pitt so bad. In Kimpom, they dropped from 53 to 66. In the net, they dropped from 53 to 65. We are literally creeping towards the fact that we almost knocked ourselves out of a quad one win. We beat them so bad. That's how. Dude, dude wait a second. <laughs> I, you're, you're stealing my thunder. I had this under the bad for the game. Like, there's, I was trying to come up with. Stuff that we can say in the bad. And one of my bad things was, oh, no, we've beaten them so badly. This may not be a quad one win. Quad one win. Yeah. Uh, so, again, first world problems here. Meanwhile, I will say in the positive, we moved from 11 to 8 in Kempom, 18th to 13th in the net. In Kempom, we're 8th in offensive efficiency. We're all the way up to 13th in defense efficiency. I think there was a point where we were in the 40s. When it came to uh, our defensive efficiency, we've moved all the way up to 13th. Kim Palm is saying that this is a very efficient basketball team that is gaining strength as we go along. Look, look I'll go you a step further. So I went ahead and looked on Bart Torvik's website mm -hmm. at, at how Duke has done since the disastrous game against Georgia Tech, which I'm, I think everyone is hoping will be the low point of the season. Since that game, Bart Torvik's website says that Duke has been the number three team in the country. Number three. And at the moment, Ken Pomeroy has Duke as at least a three-point favorite to win every one of our remaining games except for the game at UNC. That's the only game he thinks we might lose. We're like a one-point one underdog in that game. Mm -hmm. But every other game, Pomeroy projects that Duke should be at least a three-point favorite. And in fact, other than the two games we play with Carolina, the game at Wake and the game at Miami are the only games where he thinks Duke wins by less than six points. Now, that's not to say you're going to win every one of these games. We know there's a law of averages and all that other kind of stuff. But there's no question that the way Duke is playing now, they're going to be favored, perhaps heavily favored, in almost every contest they have the rest of the way. The big question is, is Duke going to continue to play the way they played against Pitt? Maybe not. I mean, look, I'm not saying we're going to hit 55% or three-pointers in every game. That'd be nice. But if Duke continues playing at least somewhat like this, it's hard to see many losses on this schedule, many, if any, losses on Duke's remaining schedule. And the key is this. We got to continue playing better. We get a chance to avenge that loss that was so far the low point of the season. We could do that on Saturday. We'll talk about that on the next episode. But before, again, before we get to the headlines, there's another thing I did want to note about this particular game. Uh, as everyone knows, uh, last night they were celebrating hoops for ALS, and that was in honor of Jeff Capel II, the, the father, uh, the late father of Jeff Capel, passed away from the disease in 2017 when John Shire and Capel were both Duke assistants under Coach K. So I thought that was a really cool thing for them. Uh, John Shire said after the game that that was something that they kind of talked about over the summer wanting to do in honor of, you know, promoting awareness for ALS, which is a terrible disease, but also raising money uh, and generating awareness for hoops for ALS. So I thought that was a really cool thing that they were able to do. I, I know they had the pins uh, on the, on yeah. the warmups um, for uh, the coaches. So I, I just wanted to shout that out. That was a really cool uh, moment and obviously, you know, Jeff Capel. If you've not heard the story of Jeff Capel II, he was a legend, uh, in, in everything that he did, especially in the game of basketball. And so it was cool to, for them to honor that.
Yeah, no question about it. All right, man, should we get to the headlines now? Yeah, we have a ton of them. Uh, so, Jason, I know you pulled some of them, and there were some, there were some outstanding ones. So give me, give me your best shot. Okay, best ones. Uh, Chris Emmershine, Pitt incapable of beating Duke. <laughs> I Great. like that. was terrific. Very clever. <laughs> incapable of beating Duke. And obviously, you spelled capable in the middle of that word there. Uh, Adam Spencer, first-time headline writer, Donald. This is his first submission. He said, flipped nearly perfect as Duke pummels Pitt. Um, Ken Swanner gave us Duke D and threes buries Panthers in Pitt. Duke Fox, I love this one. Duke Fox, this, dude, hat tip on this one. He said, Duke flips Pitt off. And it's worth noting he has a comma in there. So Duke flips, comma, Pitt off. So it's not like Duke literally flipped him off. <laughs> Very clever uh, placement of the comma there, Duke Fox. Eric Blumenthal, Duke starts slow and then came to tip off. I love that, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because, by the way, the the low point of Duke's lead and and all that you know the the absolute worst point in the game for Duke was the tip off from tip off to end. Duke was the better team and and was dominant against them. And then the last one, oh my gosh, Eric Bishop, I love this one. He's it's so simple. Flipsburg, again. That was the Flipsburg. that was the best one. Oh my god, that was the best one. That's yeah, I don't so know if good. you can hear this. That's that's me clapping, Eric. That was great. Yeah. So those are the headlines. We got some really, really high quality stuff here. Yeah. So again, thank you to everybody who submitted uh, some excellent, excellent headlines. This is probably the best we've had all year uh, with with the the bulk of the headlines that came in. So if you want to write one for the next game, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, the listeners out there. Okay, Jason, this is the best part because we get to get into the good. Uh, and there was a lot of it. I'm just going to start with this general thing, and I'm going to let you take it from there. The first half was the best first half we've had all year. Full stop. You think <laughs> everything felt like it was going right? The you know shooting was was great. Everyone was hitting things. You mentioned Kyle Filipowski. Kyle Filipowski was what, eleven for twelve in this game. The best the best uh, shooting output for someone with more than ten free, uh, field goals made since Zion Williamson went perfect in the twenty nineteen ACC tournament. I want to say uh, I think he went thirteen for thirteen in one of those games. Absolutely incredible. The shooting outside was great. He was four for four from outside. Jared McCain was hitting threes. You know, it felt like Tyrus Proctor, Caleb Foster were all hitting threes. And then the defense. I know we'll talk about defense in, in more specifically, but the defense three the entire night was great. I will say the first 10 minutes of each half were the best moments in my part of the game. The first 10 minutes of the first half, we outscored Georgia Tech 21 to 9 in the first yeah, 10 minutes of the Pitt. second you half. Said Georgia Tech, you mean Pitt. Oh, excuse me, Pitt. Yes, I, I keep looking ahead. Yes, excuse me. Thank you. Uh we outscored Pitt 21 to 9. The first 10 minutes of the second half, we outscored them 16 to 8. When you keep a team under single digits in 10 minutes, that's good. That's a good thing because that means your defense is clicking, but also it means it was, it was flowing to the offense. So, Jason, I gave a general overview of all the good that happened. We're going to focus in on some of these. Where do you want to focus on first? Uh, look, it's going to seem strange, but I'm going to start with the defense because I think that's not strange defense, at all. That's not I think the defense was the most impressive thing in this game. It's really easy to just be, you know, wowed by us raining threes all over them as we did throughout this entire game. I want to point something out, though. So Duke in this game was 11 for 25 from three-point range, 44%, which is re- that's, that's fabulous. Let's say instead Duke had only been 8 for 25, which would be 32% from three-point range. You would not be raving about our three-point shooting 
But if you take away three three-pointers, Duke still wins this game by, you know, 15-plus points. That tells you who the real star of the game was. The real star of this game was the defense. With 28 minutes to go in this contest, I'm sorry, with 28 minutes done in this contest, Donald, the, uh, the, the under-12 timeout, essentially, of the second half, 28 minutes in, Pitt had 28 points. A point a minute. I mean, that's not going to win you many games. And part of it, we're going to have to admit, was Pitt being a little cold. But a lot of them being cold was that Duke was doing an incredible job of contesting every single shot. It seemed the only way that Pitt could score was to go like one-on-one and take a difficult shot. You know, often like moving side to side or fading away, something like that. Look, they're going to hit some of their shots. Because Duke's help, Duke's switching, was just outstanding in this contest. Our big men, when they got switched onto guards, no problem. Uh, our, our guards, when they were guarding the pit, the very, very dangerous pit perimeter players, because pit is primarily a team that beats you from the outside, uh-uh. They, they had no chance. I mean, guys on pit who you and I spent a long time talking about, how are we going to contain this guy? This guy looks like an all-ACC player. Just had nightmare, nightmare games. Pitt only scores 53 points in this contest. Donald, coming into this game, Pitt was averaging more than 79 points per game. Come on. You mentioned it. Pitt, uh, I'm sorry, Duke is now the 13th best team in the country, according to Ken Pomeroy. Number 13 in defensive efficiency. The last time a Duke team was this good on defense was when Trey Jones, Vernon Carey, Cassius Stanley, and J-Rob were out there playing some defense for Duke. And and I thought, I'm going to shout out one guy right away. Mark Mitchell did not have a good game on offense. Mark Mitchell was a nightmare for Pitt on defense. Mm -hmm. His defense on Blake Henson. Blake Henson shoots three for eight in this game. Bud Carrington, their stud freshman, who we talked about so much, comes away with two assists, four of 16 from the floor. Man, it was it was a really impressive – the only way Pitt even got to 50 points was that they had a late flurry when the game was already decided. When the game mattered, Pitt was flummoxed. They only shot 28% from the floor in the first half. The Duke defense was as good as I've seen it all season. And we were shooting 60% from the floor at, at that same clip. So that those those maths math uh, in, in a positive way for Duke. You mentioned Blake Henson. Before the game, we mentioned that It'd be great if we could, you know, if Blake Henson's going to get his, you know, 19.1 points per game that he was averaging entering this game. If he gets that and we can force Pitt to find someone else to try and beat us, that would be a great thing. Blake Henson had three threes in the first half and then he didn't make a shot the rest of the game. He went goose eggs in the second half. But again, no one else from the other, you know, no one else really stepped up in his place. Everyone from Pitt was getting you know, just absolutely tormented by our defense. I really loved our defense and how aggressive it was, right? You mentioned Mark Mitchell. It, again, he wasn't great on offense, but on defense, he was aggressive because he want, we wanted to make sure that I think I counted on, on one hand the number of open shots that Pitt had all game long. Usually you can have five. If you have five in the first, you know, 10 minutes, you know, five open shots, you're going to make three of them. They had five, I feel like, maybe four the whole game. Everything yeah. else had a hand in someone. Someone's hand was in a face. Someone was reaching out, you know, trying to strip the ball. We had a lot of, and and because of that, Pitt was trying to work the ball around to try and find an open shot, and they just couldn't do it. So at the end, they kind of sometimes gave up what would be a decent shot for a terrible shot because they got panicked 
as the shot clock kind of wore down and we were still we were still in everybody's face. And then they try to throw up some three pointer over three guys. We get the rebound and go. Yo, by the way, speaking toward what you're just talking about, did you notice this game only had 61 possessions? In mm-hmm. terms of possessions, this is the slowest game that Duke played all year. And the reason for that was because Pitt was so frustrated running, you know, running around on offense, going deep into the shot clock and unable to find anything they could get and then ending up taking a contested shot. As a result of that, that's why this game was played so slow. It's not because Duke and Pitt both decided to walk the ball up the floor. It was because Pitt could not get anything working on offense. I want to now shift to the offense because there's a lot to talk about in the offense. A lot to talk about in the defense still as well. Dude, can but, I do shot selection? Can I? Well, can, <laughs> let me start with this because we have to start with this. Go ahead. Kyle Filipowski, we have, you know, yes. as Go good it. as he has been this year, I, I even, you know, kind of gave the stat in the, in the preview about how as bad a season as it feels like, you know, for us, like, man, he's really not having a great season, how it's still being compared to some of the great uh, Duke players we've had in recent memory. The one thing that has plagued him is that he's had terrible starts in almost every single game. Not last night. That man came out firing. Yo, yo, everywhere. I disagree. Wait, wait, wait. You you said, you know, he was 11 for 12. Do you recall what shot he missed? It was his first shot of the game. It was the first shot yeah, of the game. Yeah. He missed his first shot and then immediately tipped it in like it was a close. Mm-hmm. So he was 11 for 12. The only shot he missed, he scored within a half a second of missing it. <laughs> the, the the man was, it was, he was all over the place. He, again, he was aggressive. I've not seen him as aggressive this year taking the three ball, right? He had four threes. He hit them all. And he was, it was and he was open for some of them. And there was one where it felt like there was, uh, they were working the ball around the perimeter. They got to him and there was a couple of guys that were sort of open, right? Like in the corner in the wing. And it was clear that the, you know, the, the play could have had you flow all the way around to somebody in the corner for an open shot. Flip kind of took the ball and said, you know what? No, I'm going to shoot it. Buckets. Like just shot it and turned like, turned like Steph Curry as the ball was going in, like balls going in. Don't need to worry about, you know, rim or anything like that. But that aggressiveness really fueled the team. You know, we've talked about how, some guys have been starting the games really well. And we've had some of these slow starts throughout the season as a team. But when we talk about the best player on the team, the guy who's the all American, the preseason ACC player of the year, one of the you know top contenders for national player of the year. The fact that he came off and said, this is my game and I'm, I'm not going to wait very long to get started. It's what 17 points in the first half. He was again, the one, the one miss uh, was very early in the game, but, Look, Kyle Filipowski, we've talked about his slow starts all year. I have to give him props for the fact that he came out firing and he did not quit. And also, he was great on defense as well. I thought interior defense for him was was superb. He's done that fairly consistently throughout the year, but he didn't trade offense for defense. He was excellent on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I will freely admit that on our last podcast, I ripped into Flip. I, I I was not kind to my man. (laughs) Uh, talking extensively about how much better he has to be. And lo and behold, Flip was a lot, lot, lot better in this, in this last game. I thought the variety he showed in his game, his ability to, to score on the outside and then get those shots in the lane, you know, after putting four or five moves on guys, you mentioned his defense and, and the way he stayed in front of guys and the way he's still protecting the rim for Duke. He, he did it all. There's there's a good reason that even though I was criticizing him, Kyle Filipowski was number two in the Ken Pomeroy Player of the Year competition. And look, he's not going to catch Zach Eady. Zach Eady's just 
creating so many statistics for himself that no one's going to catch him for player of the year. That's fine. I, I'm I'm content with Flip being the number two player in all of college basketball. We're going to have to live with that. But I I, I did want to look. I want to acknowledge as I, I you know as I said, I said Flip needed to be better. Flip was better. And if we continue to get this Kyle Filipowski, forget about it. This Duke team is going a long, long way. Yeah, absolutely. Now uh, you mentioned shot selection again. We we had a, some great deep or some great offense in the first half. We had a lot of assists. Um, it helps when you make all your baskets, right? Like we were shooting sixty five percent, so it helps when when the ball goes in the hoop. But we were cre- again, we were making it where it felt easy, and it looked fun. Like it looked, it looked, it was fun for us to watch it. I'm sure it was fun for them to play that game last night. Yeah, and it was because a lot of the shot selection they were passing. You know, they were passing around and getting into positions where they were making it's super, super easy on themselves. All right, so yeah, let's talk about the shot selection. I've looked at the shot chart, Donald. In the first half, Duke, Duke, in the first half, Duke took 30 shots. I want you to tell me, how many of those 30 shots were between five feet of the basket and the three-point line? How many do you think? Zero. Zero is the correct answer, sir. The Blue Devils, the shot chart is a thing of absolute beauty. It's very clean. (laughs) <laughs> it is nothing but three-pointers and shots in the lane, literally right in front of the rim. I mean, oh, to say that Duke got what they wanted on offense is like the understatement of all time. It was – this is the way you dream of a team playing offense. If you're an efficiency kind of person, Duke did nothing but show efficiency. And 19 assists on 29 buckets, that's a 65.5% assist rate. We just seem to be looking for the extra pass again and again and again. And when, you know, spoiler alert, when we get to the play of the game, I'm going to be talking about some of the passing. You know what? I, I, I'm i going to spoil it. This entire first half was mine. It was it was just terrific. Just the ball movement, the teamwork that was involved in it. And Jason, you mentioned the the shot chart, how clean it looked. Like if you looked at it, you're like, wow, there's just a lot of blank space. And then there's just like a heat map. Uh, at the three-point line and inside the paint. I think the most inefficient shot that was taken in the first half was a Kyle Filipowski like kind of fade away from five feet and it went in. So I am I think we're okay with, with, with that sort of thing. So uh, when it comes to the shooting, yeah, there's going to be times where we're not going to have the shooting, right? We're not going to shoot 65% every game. We would love that, uh, but it's not going to happen every single game. But the great thing is, is, Everyone got involved. It wasn't just one or two guys that were carrying the team. Sure, Cal Filipowski had a 17 first half, but it felt like everybody was getting in on the act, and you need that because, again, if one of those guys starts to kind of slip a little bit, you still have a couple of guys who are hot or able to get into to the lane and create buckets, and that was what was happening. I mean, there was a couple uh, – there was like a sequence where Cal Filipowski hits a three, and then they come down and like Pitt tried the double-team flip so that he wouldn't even get the ball – so Caleb Foster's guy was kind of starting to move towards Kyle Filipowski because he thought Caleb Foster was going to try and entry pass it into Kyle, into Kyle. But Caleb Foster just kind of took a step to his left and just drain and just hit a drain. Oh, three, the net didn't even move. And as soon as the ball was in the air, he, again, every shot felt confident. Every shot looked good. And thankfully a lot of, you know, most of them went in, but even that little thing where, you know, Kyle Filipowski's getting the heat. Okay, I'll make the three. Then they, you know, fade out on Caleb. He shoots, you know, sings it around to McCain. McCain hits a three. So for Pitt, like, and I know Jeff Cable, there, there at that point, he called the timeout because he's like, what, what do you do about that? If everyone's hitting threes, if everyone's yeah. hitting shots, you can't do anything about that. 
Yeah. Hey, let me move on to another thing I have in the good, which is the rebounding. Duke out rebounds Pitt mm-hmm. in this game, forty-two to twenty-six. It was twenty-one to twelve in the first half. And I want to be clear: in Pittsburgh, we are talking about one of the tallest, one of the biggest teams in the land with guys who can go out and get that ball when it comes off the rim. This is one of the better rebounding teams in all of college basketball and the blue devil blue devils absolutely manhandled them on the boards. Now, part of it was this, my friend, Jonathan, I I had a text change with a bunch of my Duke buddies. My friend, Jonathan said, well, you can't get a rebound when the ball is coming out of the net. (laughs) Right. And he's right about that. The fact that Duke was scorching hot in the first half made it difficult for Pitt to get many rebounds. But at the same time, it was a very, very impressive effort and showed real toughness by Duke. John Shire in the postgame talked about the rebounding, and he said this team was hungry, hungry for rebounds, and that they've been working on rebounding a lot in practice lately because they haven't been as good at it as Shire thinks they should be. And look, we had Kyle Filipowski had 10. Tyrese Proctor, Jared McCain. Proctor had six. McCain had five. Ryan Young had five rebounds. Donald, in this game, we saw more of that flip-young combination. We talked about Mm -hmm. this after the Notre Dame game, and we said it was unusual. It's getting to be not unusual. We played a good section of flip and young together in this contest. They worked really, really well. I I, I like the look of it. I think it puts pressure on Duke's opponents in terms of, you know, know, how do you match up with those guys? Because it means flips a little more on the perimeter, and do you have a smaller guy on him, and does he then take that guy in the post? Ryan Young, we know when flip is out there, you can't double Ryan Young. Because you can't leave, you know, it, it creates problems for the opposition. And I want to point out, Ryan Young, by the way, had a couple blocks in this game. He had one block on Jalen Lowe that was just, I was like, damn, that was awesome. <laughs> I, I think this was Ryan Young's best game since the contest against Baylor, where we raved about him. When we get this kind of production from Ryan Young off the bench, it is it is just a relief for everybody in that first unit to know that you got a big man who can come in and give you those kind of minutes. And it's weird. I know Jeff Capel prepared for this, but it doesn't feel like the team responded to it. If you think about the, we we had Kyle Filipowski and, and, and Ryan Young in the game together. And as you mentioned, there was in those times, there's a lot of times where flip kind of went out to the perimeter. And so that was when they had Federico Federico and Guillermo Diaz Graham in the game at the same time. Guillermo Diaz Graham is like, who do I guard? I can't, I can't, I can't guard yeah. him. I can't guard this guy. So who do I def- and then on defense? He's like, who do I defend? I can't, I can't help with this guy. What are, what are we gonna do? So there's a couple of, of flip threes where Flip got the ball, and you could see, you know, Diaz Graham was just in no man's land, like, uh, and then that was all he needed. He just, you know, would launch it right over him. But they had those guys on skates whenever those two were in the game. And there was a point where Jeff Capel just called it quits and said, I can't play these two together when when Ryan Young and Kyle Filipowski are on the floor together. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, my my last thing I have in the good, I want to talk about Caleb Foster for a moment. Because Duke had because dude had seven assists in this game. And we really haven't seen Caleb Foster looking to create for his teammates a lot. And and, and I think probably the enduring image of this game that most people will have will be the back-to-back threes that Caleb Foster hit in the first half. And, and that's awesome. And Caleb had a, a nice offensive game, and he hasn't really been there with his offense lately. But I was more impressed with his passing, with his assists. I, I just, like I said, I haven't seen him looking to do this that, that much. And by the way, I want to shout out toward the end of the game. Sean Stewart was in the game. And Caleb Foster threw a lob, like about maybe like two minutes, three minutes left in the contest. It was super impressive. He did it off the dribble. 
He did it one-handed. He was behind the three-point line, put it on a dime to Sean Stewart right next to the basket. Uh, Caleb Foster had two guys. They were double-teaming him when he threw this lob. It, this was a great pass. Uh, you know, I, I'm still unsure of exactly what Duke is trying to figure out in terms of Caleb Foster and Tyrese Proctor, what they want each one of them to do. I still think it's a little different. I think they still want Proctor creating more. They want Foster scoring more. But Caleb Foster showed me in this game that he can be a creator as well. And that's another thing that will step Duke up to the next level. I'm glad you mentioned Sean Stewart because I thought, you know, considering he didn't play a second uh, in the in the previous game, he came off the bench and did quite well. I think he played eight minutes. He had four rebounds. He had four points. He had that, you know, that basket you mentioned. He sank two free throws. He made both the free throws, had a steal, had a block. Super, oh, the block, super the block was sick, by the way. Yeah, the block was, I mean, it, I, I'm understanding. We don't expect that from Sean Stewart, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's my, that's my bad, but it's, it was, it was impressive. But the fact is he was efficient off the bench. And again, it's, it's the prototypical response to, Hey, I didn't play a second, you know, in the previous game, you know, I still got to be ready because when my number's called, I got to go in there and produce and that he did. So, uh, and also shout out TJ power. TJ power came in this game. He had that step back, uh, Three. It wasn't just step back. It was step sides, step back step, and step to the side. Step, yeah. Undefendable. That's James Harden stuff. Undefendable. Yeah. Well, like, we're just like, oh, okay, TJ, we're, we're doing this. This We reached <laughs> this portion of the evening. Terrific. Look, for it being a late game, you know, the nine o'clock, nine fifteen start, for it to be as fun as it was, it was a, sh- a testament to how these guys played on both offense and defense. So that was really cool. Hey, let's take a quick break. On the other side, we will talk about just a couple of things that we need to improve on but we'll have that after this this episode of the duke basketball roundup is sponsored by better help springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning we have better weather and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy however for many leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight we all carry around stress and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar that's certainly true donald and with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family friends co-workers even strangers even when stress has you a little bit down and for some getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about that's what better help is all about it's entirely online and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient flexible and suited to your schedule you just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime you want so if you're thinking of starting therapy give better help a try and find your social sweet spot visit betterhelp.com slash duke roundup today to get 10 percent off your first month that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, Jason, we are back and we turn to the things we need to improve on from this game. And for me, I think there's one, you know, main one that I want to focus on, and that's the turnovers. We had 14 turnovers. Pitt had 13 steals. Uh, we're not a team that turns the ball over that often. You've mentioned in the metrics when we preview these games that we've been very good this year, one of the best in, in the country at taking care of the basketball. So to have 14 turnovers and 13 of them be steals, that was probably the the real main black eye in my mind from this game. Yeah, I completely agree with you. That was the first thing that I had. And I, I want to point out, you, you mentioned that Pitt had 13 steals. Several of those steals, in fact, probably a majority of them, were not Pitt making a great aggressive defensive play. It was mm-hmm. like just Duke being a little bit sloppy. You know, uh, there were a couple of times just, you know, off the dribble, guys just kind of lost the ball. It felt at times that the Duke, maybe we just lost focus. I f- it feel like a, a lot of them came in the second half. Um, but those last you know, 10 Kyle minutes Fili- of the game. Yeah. Kyle Filipowski had five turnovers. Tyrese Proctor had three. Uh, you know, as I say, it, it felt like Duke was just fumbling the ball around sometimes and Pitt would just pick it up and that would count as a steal for them, even though it really was more a turnover that Duke did to themselves. Uh, look, this was, had this been a closer game, I would have been pulling my hair out at some of those plays. Uh, I think it's forgivable in a contest where everything else was clicking for Duke to have this little problem, but, but it's something, you know, look, you always want to look at every game. What can we do better? Where can we improve? And I, I think a little attention to detail and 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 cleaning up some of those sloppiness on offense, those are the places that Duke could do better. I think the it leads to, kind of to the the I guess nitpicky thing, which is you mentioned a lot of those steals came in like the you know the final part of the game, you know, last 10 minutes. Duke was outscored by Georgia Tech 22 to 11 over the final 10 minutes. And a lot of that was where we were coasting, but we still got to produce, right? We can't just you know, take our foot completely off the gas in games like these. And even, I mean, there was a point where we were up 34 points and then they cut it to like 20 ish. And everyone's like, Oh no, like, are we, are we losing control of this game? The answer was no, we ended up pulling away and still winning by 25, but it's those little, you know, attention, you know, little nitpicky uh, things that are those details. You got to continue to produce. And when those guys on the, you know, lower in the bench, when they come in, they got to be able to be efficient as well. We can't have it where there's such a drop off that the bench will shorten up at the end of these games because you want to have it where, you know, Tyrus Proctor got some extended time with the second unit, which I thought was good. That's going to help him as he continues to build back his, 
his uh you know his stamina and all these things from his is uh from his injury you know we we're getting some guys some rest you know that have had some heavy minutes we want and we're also getting the bench time to you know again show that they should be in there uh when we get further on into the season so be if we're going to do that we just got to clean that up because you don't want 14 turnovers we've been very good at taking care of the basketball this year as yeah. you mentioned i'm willing to overlook that um but that's the declaring black eye i would say uh, from this portion of the game. Anything else on the bat before we move on? Yeah, you know, I, I, I believe that we're here to, to tell the truth. And Mark Mitchell did not have as good a game as he's been having lately. Not not a huge sin, <laughs> uh, considering how well he's been playing to take. He one did not score twenty. Quick. He did not score twenty three points. So he did not. No, uh, and he really wasn't. He wasn't hunting his shot the way he has a lot lately. Mark was just one of four in this contest. Tyrese Proctor also. You mentioned Tyrese. It looked like he's still figuring out his shot he was just one of six and, and Tyrese had some really wide open like, like you know Pitt was trying to pick their poison the poison that they chose with Tyrese Proctor and for the most part he did not poison them very much um but you know th these are nitpicky kind of things I thought both those guys did other things very very well I've I've talked about the other things they did elsewhere in this in this podcast especially Mark Mitchell's defense and considering how well Mark Mitchell's been playing lately eh, if he has one game where he goes one for four because because Flip was using up all the inside points. Uh, I, I can live with that. I got nothing else in the bad from this contest. Yeah, again, when it's as fun as it was, there we're, we're, we're grasping at straws here. So let's move on to play of the game. As I mentioned earlier in the show, my play of the game was the entirety of the first half. I, I, I rarely, you know, there was a lot of plays that could do it. And I decided late last night that I wasn't going to choose between children. So I'm going to go with the entire first half. The way we played is how we should be playing the whole year. Because if we do, man, this is going to be a very, very fun rest of the regular season and into the postseason. But Jason, I know you had a couple of actual plays that stood out to you. Which ones were those? Well, I already mentioned the the lob that Caleb Foster threw to Sean Stewart, which was a thing of beauty. I can't make that my player of the play of the game. It was the game was over at that point. But the play of the game I do have comes from that first half. And folks, if you can, if you can, you know, find a replay of the game or whatever, go back and find at the 440 mark, four minutes and 40 seconds left in the first half. Duke had a lead, but uh, Hinson had just hit, I think, one or two three pointers in a row, and he was getting hot. And you know, look, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that you were really worried that it was a key moment in the game, but you know, if, if there was a threat, this was the moment that it could be a threat. And Jeremy Roach has the ball. Flip screens for him, and, and and on the screen, Flip rolls, and Roche throws this little sweet one-handed pass like around his man to Flip, who's diving in the lane. The Pittsburgh defense does the right thing, and they collapse on Kyle. And almost instantly, Filipowski flips the ball out to, to Caleb Foster on the perimeter. And Pitt really, at that point, they, they got a guy who was on Roach. They got like three guys on Flip, and they've got one guy left who races, who races toward Caleb Foster. Caleb Foster does the exact right thing. Redirects the ball to the corner where Jared McCain, the best three-point shooter on this Duke mm -hmm. team, perhaps, you know, like one of the top five three-point shooters in all of college basketball, Jared McCain is standing alone. Ladies and gentlemen, on YouTube or whatever else you're using to watch this play, I want you to pause it at that moment before Jared McCain takes the shot. Try and figure out how close anyone is on pit to the best three-point shooter on the Duke team, standing as close as you can get for a three-pointer. Remember, it, it kind of sneaks in a little bit on the side. Those, those corner threes, those are the easiest three-pointer to take. I looked at it. I tried to measure it out. My guess is there's no one within 17 feet of Jared McCain. 
Jared McCain could have turned to Jeff Capel, asked him what time it was. You know, Capel looks at his watch. Oh, there's about four and a half minutes left in the contest, Jared. Okay, I think I'm going to shoot this now. Is that cool? That's how much time he had. It touched nothing but the bottom of the net. I'm telling you, that the passing on that play, Roach's one-hander, Flip redirecting when he gets doubled, Foster sharing the ball. It was, it was as good a ball movement as you'll see any team in college basketball. And each one of those guys had opportunities on that play to try and do something a little more, a little more difficult. And they just kept on making it easier and easier and easier for Duke to score until the best three-point shooter in the ACC is wide open with no one within a zip code of him taking a three-pointer. I, I I don't think you gave that play justice as great as you described it, because I think Jerry McCain still has time to shoot that three like that. That's how yep. far away they were. I, I think he could have I think he could have, you know, ordered, you know, ordered some pizza, you know, figured out, you know, figured, you know, called some people said, hey, you see me on TV? Watch this. And he could have hey, he, he gone, gone up in the stands, gotten one of, you know, the, the, the pit, the pit fans, the pit students have these uh, swimming pool um uh, what are they called? The, the sticks, you know, the, the flow. Oh, yeah. Sticks. The, the, the noodles. Yeah. Yeah. Noodles. They got these noodles. They wave around like that. He could have gone up in the stands, got himself a noodle, floated around a little bit and then taken the shot. And there he still would have been no one on pit. No one could have grabbed it and handed it to the defender said, Hey, use this. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. And it still <laughs> shot it. No, it was, it was serenity. That's the best way to describe that play. It was just pure serenity. There was a point where it just felt like every, you know, all the birds were, were chirping and it was just, you know, it was just peaceful. Like that was a peaceful, peaceful play. Uh, all right, guys, we're going to leave it here on episode number 581 of the Duke basketball roundup. Thank you as always for joining uh, for down the line or I'm down the line for Jason Evans. I'm down the line. And now it is time. You got my Duke line. Win. I'm supposed to say for Donald. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought you were me and I was you. It, it's fine. We're, we, we're still having fun. We're, we're a little giddy. Here. Just a little giddy over here. Let's go home. Let's go home. Duke Band, take us home.